The single most important step in becoming trauma-informed and reclaiming our authentic self and conquering the worst day cycle is by becoming an expert in our own denial and our own self-deception. So that's exactly what I'm going to show you how to do today. Welcome back. Now before we get started, I just need to come clean about something. I am not going to do this well. I have avoided this video. I avoid talking about this topic. If you look, I have hundreds of videos. Very few of them are on self-deception and denial. Talking about this part of the worst day cycle scares me um, because we are all in so much self-deception and denial that I'll get a lot of pushback. That's one reason. The bigger reason is this. I still see that I'm imperfect. That all the what does motion sound like? With Kizikans Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom slash socks. Well, my heart is to find a way to communicate this so you feel loved and you feel connected with, you feel heard and understood and not judged and not put down. I don't always succeed at it. That I have such a hunger and passion that there's, a, there's an, almost an anger to how I share some of this information, which comes across as very hurtful and very condescending. And so I watch teachers like Brene Brown comes to mind, or Eckhart Tolle, um, or Tolle, however you say it, uh, Gabor Mate, many others. And I hear them take on difficult topics, and man, you just feel loved. And when I watch my videos, I don't always feel that. Sure, there are times. But when I get really passionate about something, it's less than perfect. I know this. If I could find a way to do this video with that, I would do it. All I can tell you is I'm still on the journey. I'm still perfectly imperfect. I will probably not do this that way. There might be moments of it. But it might come across as though I'm judging you and being hurtful towards you. And that is not my goal. That is not my heart. You're welcome to call me out and hold me accountable. It's the only way I can get better. But I want you to know that's my goal. Because what I'm about to talk about is the single most important thing you will ever learn in your life. It is the single greatest killer in society today. It's not a virus. It's none of the stuff. It's not the guns, any of it. It's this. Nobody's talking about it. And if you don't make this, see, did you see right there the anger in that? Like, I just want you to, I so want you to get this. And part of what comes out is my childhood, trying to get my dad to understand me. And so that's kind of what happens is my own pain comes up and goes, Dad, listen to me, because you're all my dad. Because <laughs> I, I want you to grasp this, just like I wanted my dad to understand me too. But again, it, my goal is to do it lovingly. So what I'm going to talk about today is um, the three reasons we go into denial, um, the three ways denial shows up, and then give you some solutions. This is going to be a long video because this topic is so important. And like I said, I've been avoiding it um, because it scares me to talk about this. But I know how critical it is, and so I want to share it with you. So let's get started. We go into denial for three reasons. One, we don't want to admit um, that we created a false persona in childhood to survive the childhood trauma we all experienced. 
I mean, we don't even want to admit that we experienced childhood trauma. It still flabbergasts me when people comment on my posts going, my childhood was perfect. And my heart just breaks. I'm like, oh, we are so undereducated and under-informed on what healthy parenting is. And anyway, that's a different video. But we don't want to admit that any of that is true, that our parents were perfectly imperfect and they left wounds in us. We don't want it. more importantly, we don't want to admit that we created a false self to survive that childhood trauma. And therefore, none of us knows who we really are. Like, think. Like, I don't know how to say this lovingly, but we don't know who we are. I don't care your age, and I don't care how much you think you do. What you are as an adult is just an adaptation that you developed to survive childhood. Now, I don't know how to say that to you lovingly. And, and without you going, blank you, Kenny, I know who I am. Well, that's denial. If you haven't been through this process, it's just not true. So pretend I'm Brene Brown or somebody else right now who's, who's saying that to you incredibly lovingly. That's my goal. But that's just the truth. And if you stick with this process, just like I, I've sat across from clients and they always tell me, you know, Kenny, when we first met, I thought you were full of it. I Now I see it. Because that's the denial process. And, and if you haven't been through it, if you're early in this journey, you will have that experience. Okay? Number two. The reason we created this denial is we had to create this false self for attachment. We had no other choice. Our life depended on it. Remember, we learned in uh, shame that we have to attach to another human being physically and emotionally or we will die. And so without this attachment, whether it's a false self or not, doesn't matter. We need it. Our attachment needs depend on it. And we assume that if we don't become whatever it is our parents and caregivers needed, we won't have attachment. So we're in denial on two main things. One, we don't know who we are. And two, our connection is false. It's based on just getting attachment. And so really what I'm asking you to do is confront yourself that one, your belief about yourself isn't accurate. And two, you created this false persona just to get attachment, that it's not authentic. And that's what's biting you in the rear end. You don't want to face these truths because do you see what you'd give up? You'd have to die as a person and that false person that you use to get attachment, if it's gone, you have no attachment to your caregivers. Now you're really alone. Like that's an overwhelming process that I'm asking you to confront. But that's what... That's the only way we get through this. And the truth is we actually get real attachment when we do it because we'll get into truth, which I'll show you in a minute. So there's great reasons for us to go into denial. Like I'm not trying to belittle you. I'm just saying this is what we all do to survive it because we've never taught emotional mastery. We'll get into that too. All right. So none of us are bad. This isn't because you're deficient in some way. This is because we've never taught about these principles. We've never given you and parents the skills and tools to navigate this process. You just did the best you could with the information you had at the time. Had you known differently, you could have done differently. So there's no shame. This is truth. Truth is what um, kills shame. Okay? So we just have to learn to let this truth in. And that's how we will conquer this. Okay? The third reason that we go into denial is many people don't realize. The brain is designed. The so-called logical left side of the brain that we've all been taught is the best part. 
It's not the best part. You're going to learn based on the current research and everything. The problem with the left hemisphere, the so-called logical, is it is an instrument of denial. It will not see truth. I'm going to teach you about that. Most people don't know this. See, how could you be blamed for any of this when you've been taught the wrong information about how our brain works? When you haven't been taught a lot of this information. That all logic, all thought, all, everything we do emanates from feeling. And so everyone's trying to teach you to be better thinkers. No, be better feelers. And so that's also a societal problem. So number three, the brain and society have worked against us to create this denial mechanism. I'll teach you about that as we move along. So now let's talk about the three main ways that denial shows up in your life. I'm going to, I'm going to start opening or pulling the veil down so you can see how you're caught in denial that, and that you don't know who you are. And again, it's not because you're a bad person. It's just we haven't taught about this, okay? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The first way is every single one of us is afraid of success, not failure. It's not even possible. I talked about that in the shame video. Again, if you haven't seen the previous four videos, a lot of this won't stick or register. You need the previous four videos. They all build off each other. I, did, I designed them to walk you through this full process. Okay, so <clears throat> we fear success because do you see what success is? We developed a false persona to get attachment, right? This isn't who we are, but I have to be this for mom and dad to love me, to fit into society and everything, right? So do you see what success is? If I stop hurting myself, if I stop picking poor relationships, if I stop working and making money below my means, if I start to actually succeed, and I, when I say success, I don't mean accumulate things or get status in society. That's not success. That's all maladaptive coping skills, as I've talked about before. The most dysfunctional and the most broken are the so-called most rich and successful. They've just used their pain to motivate them. They, aren't success, they haven't succeeded in the worst day cycle. They are actually even worse off in the worst day cycle because they're more, they are in more self-deception and denial because they have the so-called trappings of success. They have the money and the accolades. So they're the, they are almost impossible to treat because they go, what do you mean, Kenny? I've got the money, the cars. Like I had one client who goes, Kenny, but I got wine, women, watches, and wealth. What do I need to do any of this for? That's why the most successful are the most broken because they have the so-called societal trappings of success. They're in massive denial. Here's a person who's an alcoholic and losing their spouse because they wouldn't deal with any of this. Willing to let it all go, because as they said, they had the four W's. That's the wealthy. That's the successful. That's not success. Success is the ability to walk in who we authentically are, regardless of whether we have the trappings and, and have accumulated things. And so do you see why we procrastinate? Because I would actually go pursue my authentic self. I'd achieve what I want. I would become me. No, 
We can't do that. And so what happens when we procrastinate? Remember I've said in previous videos, when we're in the studies show we lie to ourselves on average 10 to 200 times a day. Procrastination is all about lying to ourselves. Think of the last time you procrastinated. How many lies did you use to justify putting it off? That's denial. That's the denial of the life you deserve to live. You're in massive denial. And you don't want to face that truth that I am destroying myself. I'm revictimizing myself by not doing, taking this action. I'm not afraid of failure because by not taking this action, I'm guaranteeing failure. I'm scared to death of letting go of the maladaptive false self. Of this false person that I think I am. Because if I get this, I won't have that false person. That's all gone. I have to let it go. So I lie to myself 10 to 200 times a day. Oh, it's not a big No, all these different ways. These lies keep us attached to the false persona that we created for attachment. So we all fail and we re-victimize ourselves to stay attached. That's why the narcissist isn't the problem. That's why your ex isn't the problem. Your boss isn't the problem. We are responsible for every choice we make. And if you have not done the worst day cycle work, you will pick people, places, and things. You will put yourself in a position to relive that pain against you. It is repetition compulsion. Bessel van der Kolk has shown that. Freud, like, it's what we all do. We just repeat the trauma against ourselves. Okay? I talked in the shame video of why we do that. I'm not going to talk about that in this video. So, because we're all re-victimizing ourselves and we're in denial, we're blaming the other person, right? That's the second reason. We go into codependence. Codependence is a denial of responsibility. It allows us to stay the child and, and make everyone else responsible. And then we say, you made me think, feel, or do. Think about it. When you explain your life history, what do you do? You talk about how everyone wronged you and kept you from what you wanted. Now, you might own certain pieces, but there's always an element, especially when it comes to relationships, that the other person is the problem. It's not even possible. Nobody ever makes us think, feel, or do anything, and I will prove it to you. What happens in a compliment? When people compliment you, can you let it in? Very few of us can. But wait a minute. I thought like this whole cancel culture and equity training, we're all supposed to, you know, we get triggered by certain words, right? Well, why if I compliment you? Why, why if we just went around the world saying everyone's great all the time, why doesn't that work? Because deep inside, we don't feel it. It's not true to us. So you can compliment me and say the nicest things in the world, but I will never let it in right? Compliments don't work because it's not truth unless we believe it's true within us. That's why nobody can make us think, feel, or do anything because you give me a compliment. If, if somebody made me feel, because you hear people in relationship, they made me feel, and you know people go berserk on my post when I talk about this. Well, then why didn't you feel great about yourself when they complimented you? You didn't even let it in. There's a lie. Do you see the denial? You are choosing, me too, 
all of us, we choose to play the victim. Because deep down, we're stuck in the shame. Because we're not our authentic self. We're all living a lie. Because if it was authentic, I could hear your compliment. Right? I'd let it go, yeah, you're right. That's how I feel about myself. But because I'm not in my authentic self, I can't hear your compliment. It's not true. I'm showing you a false side of me. Ta-da! Like, it's so obvious. But it's so hard to hear and so hard to admit. Like, I know this feel. I've lived it. That's why the criticisms get in because they're truth. I know this is tough to hear. This is why we're trying to control people and and have all these trigger words and safe zones. Because when somebody criticizes us because we're not in our authentic self, because we're a facade and we're fake, we feel it. We can't run from our intuition and our emotion. We try to cover it with logic and give you reasons why it's not true. And I try and control you. Remember, shame is all about control. Go back and watch it. If you haven't seen the shame video, you're missing. Like you have to watch the previous videos for this to sink in and make sense. And you won't be able to run from the truth. But the reason everyone is up in arms trying to control what everybody thinks is we're all caught in the worst day cycle we're all in denial of who we really are it's all false personas and so i'm trying to control you because when you make that insult i let it in deep down i know i'm not being authentic to me and so your words ring true and i don't want to admit that wall comes up you're the problem i'm going to control you you can't say that you can't believe that and so with it you have this whole movement of people trying to shut the world down I'm going to tell you two stories from my life to bring this truth home. All I ever wanted was a woman to say nice things to me. I did the whole, after my first marriage, and I learned a lot of this stuff, I picked better in my second marriage, but one of my big, you know, I did the whole five love languages. Learned about that. And words of affirmation was big to me. And my second wife showered me with them. And I, I, it was so funny. This was, I don't know, three, four years after the divorce. I was just going through some photos or something on, on my computer. And I came across this old video. It's when I played pro golf. And she, I was playing a practice round. She's in the cart. And I'm standing outside the cart. And I'm talking about what shot I want to hit. You know, she's kind of there. And we're kind of talking about it. And uh, oh, What is the one thing we've always wanted somebody to say to us? With the deepest, most sincere feeling, she says, Kenny, I adore you. Like it just dripped from her. Like this is the movie moment, right? This is what all of us have laid in bed, thought about, dreaming of. God, would somebody just say that to me? I didn't even acknowledge it. I kept staring straight forward, talked right over. That's denial. I didn't believe I was adorable. I didn't believe I was worth being adored. So I tried to control somebody and say, you need to give me words of affirmation. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's what's so sad about the five love languages. They even tell you in the first chapter that these five love languages are a result of childhood trauma. They're a maladaptive coping skill to try and get your partner to heal the wounds that your parents left you. But instead of teaching you, like I'm trying to do, how to heal, they're just going to give you a, you know, a, a, pat, a Band-Aid to put over top of your pain. It doesn't work. There's proof of it. She gave me what I wanted. But I didn't adore me. I can't accept your adoration because I was filled with shame. You can compliment me all day, but until I love myself, until I face my perfect imperfections and I admit to you that I'm really elevated right now. And so I'm probably yelling and screaming at you because I'm so passionate about this. And I'm probably coming across really angry and mean and hurtful when my heart is to be kind and loving. If I can't admit that truth to you, if I can't own and see how perfectly imperfect and broken I am, if I can't adore how dysfunctional I am. I can't hear it when you say you adore me. That's true for all of us. That's denial. Now, look in your life. How many times today did someone say something nice to you and you just shut it out? That's denial. 10 to 200 times a day. We don't know who we are. We won't admit it to ourselves. We aren't present in our own lives. I sure as hell was not present in that moment. Now, the antithesis of that is in the first, I think it was six months after I started doing this and working with clients, I was in a public setting and there was a, somebody there that was a client of mine and he was a professional golfer and he stood up in the room and he said, I've worked with all the top golf psychologists, and if you're a golfer, you know their names. You know, there are certain psychologists that work with golfers. And he said, I've worked with all of them. He goes, I learned more from Kenny in 30 minutes than all the years I spent with them. And the second he said it, you know what I said inside of myself? He's right. You see, I didn't feel like there was no massive sense of, oh my God, that's so great that he said this and now I have validation in front of all these people and oh my God, they're going to like me and I'm going to get clients. Never crossed my mind. When you have confronted your worst day cycle, when you can love and accept your perfect imperfections, when somebody just says something true, you go, yeah. It's no different than him saying, you know what, Kenny has blue eyes. Yeah. I could accept the compliment because I've done the work. I've done the research now. Are there elements of these dynamics that I don't know? Of course there are. Are there times where I misspeak or what? Of course there are. But I knew, see, remember, my ex said, I adore you. I couldn't adore me, so I couldn't hear it. I went and did the work. I confronted my darkness. I confronted my imperfections. I confronted my denial. I confront my denial all day, every day. It is the single greatest skill set I have. I'm always looking for how I'm full of S-H-I-T, and I'm full of it, nonstop. 
And the more I confront it, and the more I accept it and love it and adore it, when somebody says something like that, I just go, and that's what gave me the chill. Like it was the first time in my life I went, I've done it. I didn't need his compliment because I knew that about me. Like that was the revelation. That's your authentic self. It's like when the compliment comes in, you recognize, oh my God, I, I have that awareness of myself. I don't need your words and I don't need you to tell anyone else. That's codependence recovery. And that's why the council culture and all that will never work because DC, they're stuck in purgatory. Someone's going to tell them, I adore you, and they won't let it in because they're still filled with self-loathing and shame. They can't let it in. They have to have an enemy. And the enemy is within them. And they're in denial. They don't want to face it. Their pain is theirs. I just showed you. And this is true for you. Look at it. I don't, whatever your pain is. And think, you've had people be kind to you, and you don't let it in. You can't let truth in. You can't let love in until you conquer your denial and learn to love your broken pieces, your darkness, how we are all not who we think we are, how we all were raised perfectly imperfect and that our parents left wounds in us and we're carrying that pain every minute of the day and we need to confront it. So because of that, There's the third piece of how denial shows up. Whenever we judge, blame, hate, criticize anyone or anything, any person, place, or thing, we are always talking to ourselves. It might be true that those people or those things might be you know, doing those things, but the only reason we can see it in them is because we're seeing it in ourselves. Okay? We are doing the exact same thing either directly or indirectly, but we're in denial. We don't see it. And so our criticism, this is why the cancel culture and equity and all that stuff, they don't realize they're screaming at themselves that they are all of this and they want to heal and learn to forgive themselves, but they don't know. This is the 3D movie I talk about. Everyone, our whole life, every choice we ever make in life, relationships, careers, clothes, colors, all of it. We're just screaming at us our unhealed trauma that we haven't faced, that we're not even aware of, don't want to admit to ourselves ultimately haven't overcome and haven't forgiven ourselves for. That's why we can't accept love. We haven't forgiven ourselves. And so we're screaming all this, trying to control you. But the truth is, all of it is screaming back at us. This is what we need to go heal, love, and forgive in ourselves. But no one's shown us how. As I say, it's like watching a 3D movie without the glasses. Well, my book, my master classes, these videos... I'm giving you the glasses. I'm walking you into how to heal and recover from it if you choose to. Now, if you don't want to, if you want to stay stuck and call me names, remember, your names are about yourself. While it may be true, you know, like people call me names and I look and I go, oh, yeah, they're right. That's true. Like there's a piece about me. But the only reason you see it in me is you have it too. We And that's why I don't get upset. We're sharing it like you're being vulnerable. You're saying we're alike. I love you too. You piece of S-H-I-T, we're S-H-I-T's together. (laughs) Isn't it great? We have something in common. Now let's hug it out. Like, who cares? We're both the same. So let me show you how I figured this out. Because 
This is difficult for people to accept, especially one who's been with narcissists. You know, the really victimized people in life, they really struggle with this. And so did I. Remember, I was with a wife who's physically and verbally abusive. How could that be about me? Well, in the last video, I talked about how that was about me. You know, I showed you the truth. Well, that's because I did the denial work and saw it was all about me. But let me show you how I discovered it. It was driving one day. I was, I always would complain about the way people drove. All right. And so one day I was sitting behind a car that wouldn't turn left. And I was yelling, you know, I hate stupid drivers, just screaming, honking and everything. And I paused and I'm like, Kenny, you've got to stop this. This is about you. <clears throat> and I said, but I don't, I don't drive the way they're driving. That's not about me. Remember? Denial is either direct or indirect. Direct, an example of direct would be, I can't stand men who wear bright colored suits, pocket squares, all these really feminine colors. They decorate their house as though they were gay. A lot of people think I am. I just like pretty things. I ain't gay, but I sure look it. Well, obviously I'm talking about myself, right? Now I can hear the cancel culture of, what, is there a problem with being gay? Well, it may, I don't know. If you feel insulted by what I just said, that's about you. You're struggling with your gayness, not me. See, that's the thing. Is if they're, Right there, if there was an insult, someone felt insult, that they're, that's how they feel about themselves. They haven't accepted themselves. I'm not responsible for that. That's you canceling yourself out, not me. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Doing it to you or not me triggering you or not being conscious of your feelings. I am being conscious because I'm being truthful. I was talking about me. If you want to make it about you, you're welcome to, but I'm not going to carry your burden. That's your burden. That's your job to heal. I got enough on my hands trying to heal me. Okay? So, obviously, if I made the comments about clothing and decorating, I'm talking about me. It's a direct comparison. You know, I can't stand the Washington Redskins as I'm wearing a Washington Redskins um, jersey. Well, I guess you're not even allowed to say that name or that team anymore. But you get my point. That's direct. What trips people up is indirect denial. So I'm screaming at the way somebody's driving. I'm going, I don't drive that way. Remember, everything is emotion-based, not thought-based. So I asked myself, I paused and I went, what is the emotional content of what I'm saying? I hate stupid drivers. Do you see the judgment? I hate is a descriptor that's about me. My judgment, blame, and criticism is stupid. I'm calling that person stupid. I'm talking about myself. I'm stupid. The wall just dropped in the car. I literally just burst out laughing. I went, oh my God. <laughs> I have struggled with multiple addictions, two horrific divorces, one marriage where I was physically and verbally abused. I played two pro sports. I never wanted to play. Bankruptcy. Um, 
I spent three days holed up in my apartment contemplating taking my life. Like, I am the dumbest person I've ever met. Now, am I dumb? Of course I'm not dumb. I was doing, we don't teach any of this stuff. Because no one's taught emotional mastery, the worst day cycle, none of this. How would I know any better? I was doing the best I could with what I could, with the information I had at the time. I'm perfectly imperfect. Like, do you see where all these phrases I come from, I, I say come from? But in that moment, I realized because what was the main feeling as a child? My dad always left me with the impression that I was dumb. My old, a brother of mine did that to me. Stupid is the worst thing I could experience in my life. Well, look at all of those so-called stupid decisions and look at the metaphor. This is the key to your judgment, blame, and criticism, whether it's directed to me or anyone else. What's the metaphor? Did you see what I was doing? I was driving. Did you see where I felt stupid in my life? This is the 3D movie, the 3D glasses. I'm screaming at myself, Kenny, don't you realize you haven't held yourself accountable. You're living a false persona, pursuing all of these marriages, all of these careers and everything. It's not who you are. You haven't admitted that to yourself and forgiven yourself. In other words, you don't know how to drive your life. 3D movie, worst day cycle, denial crumbles. The driver's not the problem. Thank God. People drive in a way that annoys me because I get, what do I get? I reclaim my authentic self. I get to see the truth about me. I'm perfectly imperfect. I'm broken emotionally. I need to heal the pain from the past. I need to love and accept my perfect imperfections. I need to gain emotional mastery so I can confront my denial, bring it back on myself, see the truth about me, love and accept all of me, and forgive me that I was doing the best I could. And the same is true for you. It's the same for the people in the cancel culture, the equity, all of this junk. That's being purported. They're screaming at themselves. They're begging themselves to love themselves, to drop their false persona, quit playing the victim and blaming everybody else. They are not bad people. They are stuck, horrifically stuck in denial and the worst day cycle. <clears throat> now, if you want to know the full process to that, please go to my YouTube channel. Watch the video called How to Turn Any Insult into a Blessing. Also, go to my online magazine site www.thegreatnessuniversity.com. There's an article where I walk you through the steps. It's, but the metaphor is key. Do you see? I was driving. I couldn't drive my life. Boom. Fear of success. I was living this false life, trying to get attachment. As soon as I dropped it, brought in who I really am, which is all of this, I'm at peace. I'm authentically walking and I'm still full of it. I'm still discovering pieces I'm in denial about. That's the journey of life. We're always continually doing that. But for the first time in my life, I'm actually on that path. And that's how you'll get there too. So now do you see what all of this leads to? It creates what I call <clears throat> the scales of injustice. Now you have the proof. All of us have horrifically low self-esteem because we can't admit or let in the compliments. And the criticisms are the truth about us. 
That's why we're all so tender and controlling of everybody else and trying to get them to change the way what they think, feel, and do is because we know the criticisms. That's how we feel about ourselves. That means we're in high, very, very low self-esteem because why? We are in high denial. What is denial? A lack of truth. We don't want to admit that these criticisms are true. We don't want to admit that we don't love ourselves. So that's what, and now we have a world where this is everyone, low self-esteem, high denial. You cannot have high self-esteem if you have high denial because there's no truth. Look at what the worst day cycle teaches you. Confront the deepest, darkest, most broken, imperfect pieces of yourself, how we are all false, not who we really think we are, that it's all a false attachment mechanism trying to get our parents to love us, but none of it works. We're all professional victims trying to control and get everyone else to fix our problems. We're codependent, lacking responsibility, trying to stay stuck as a child. All of these to protect that underneath it all, we don't love ourselves because we are not authentic. And so do you see what we get when we confront this? When I admit when I put the glasses on and I see that I'm lying to myself 10 to 200 times a day, when I become an expert and develop the knowledge, skills, and tools of emotional mastery, of conquering trauma, fear, shame, and denial, I gain the glasses. I can see truth. And if I see truth, what do I get? Self-esteem. Because now when you call me a name, what do I say? You're right. It's true. I am judgmental. I am condescending. I am at times wrong in the words I choose to describe all of this. I am at times unkind. I am at times less than nurturing. I am at times immature. I am at times too wrapped up in the pain from my past when I teach about these things. I am all of those things and more. That's truth. Does it make me bad? No. Does it make me less than anyone else? No. Do you see what all of this does? It makes us equal. Instead of this pyramid that we have now, this false thing of, oh, the people that are rich and successful have it all. They've figured out life. No, they haven't. And, and the so-called poor and underprivileged or, you know, whatever you want to, negative term you want to say to them, they aren't the problem either. We're all the same. We're all false. We're all, but no one's taught us how to meet here and to openly go, yeah, we're doing the best we can. Where are you in your journey? Oh, yeah, I struggle with that too. Instead, we put up this wall. <clears throat> So that's at the core of the worst day cycle. So if you're struggling, if it still hasn't sunk in, if you still want to play the victim and blame your exes and blame society in the world, if you still can't see that you can't, you know, that you're holding the 3D glasses, but you can't put them on and take ownership that you aren't living with yourself, Byron Katie says this. Notice how often you defend yourself with words, actions, the way you dress, your tone of voice, and how stressful that can be. What impression, what you 
are you trying to hide or strengthen? Whom are you trying to convince? Think about that. Think about when you get your dressed in the morning, when you make your choices for the day, how many lies you tell yourself about the image you're going to project outwards because you don't want to be known. You don't want to put the glasses on. That doesn't make you bad. See, I feel like I'm being really disparaging and hurtful. And, and I don't know. I'll figure it out. My heart isn't to be hurtful to you. If this, is, if this is your first time and it feels that way, that's not my heart. Pia Melody says it this way. It's tempting to avoid our accountability for having erred in a relationship when we can hide behind something of which we are innocent. Because we are innocent in many of the terrible things we experience in life. But using the innocent part to divert attention away from the guilty part. That's at the crux of the problem. Let me give you an example of that. My second wife. (laughs) This still cracks me up. The day I met her, we met for dinner. I'm standing outside the restaurant. I'm always early on time. Most people are late. Oh, there was a nice judgment I had. Um, Anyway, I'm standing there waiting, and I turn, and right as I turn about 20 feet away from me, I see her walking towards me, and literally, without thought, I've never had, I read people instantly, like, because of, because of my childhood and the codependence, uh, I don't, my boundaries aren't great, so I can see and feel people's pain, something I'm always working at not being good at is trying to, because that's just, that's not healthy. That, that level of so-called empathy is dysfunctional. That's not, that's being boundaryless. A lot of people think that's a gift. It's not. It's, that's codependence and you need recovery from that. That's not a good thing. <clears throat> but I felt, I turned and I saw her and I literally, I got hit. I took a step, I literally I flinched and took a step back. And the first thing that popped into my mind was, oh my God, she's the devil. Now, think about it. So, if I'm going to get on here and make any complaints about my second wife, (laughs) like, how could I? My first impression, the first thing was right there, and yet I kept going? (laughs) And this is all of us. You knew it, too, with your narcissist or whoever it was. You had the same feeling, and what did you do? You lied to yourself 200 times a day. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, well, well, I did, too. To me, she was too damn good looking. I was like, I don't care. She can be the devil. When you look like that, I don't care. That was the best I could do with where I was at the time. (laughs) So how is she to blame for anything that went on after that? If if I already know that going in, God bless me. It's the best I could do. But see, I have to own that. And that's what Pia and that's what Byron and Katie are talking about. We don't want to own that. That's the curse of denial. Now, look in your life. I know right now there's a feeling you might even be getting angry and frustrated because you don't want to admit that. No, Kenny. That anger. What are you holding on to? What are you using to try and strengthen or hide that truth from yourself? 
lay it down. Lay down that self-victimization. That's your pain that was placed into you. That's the thing to realize is that desire to hold on to that false truth isn't yours. That's your pain that was given to you. You don't deserve that. That's why you have to watch the videos to see how that shame was dumped into you. And that's why you're in denial. It's not your fault. You're not to blame. You're doing the best you can. But you are killing yourself. We are now, if you're still listening, you are responsible. Because now, for the first time in your life, you have the information. You never had it until now. So from this day forward, you actually get a choice in the matter. You never had that choice before. But today you do. You can choose to do this work. Or you can choose to stay stuck. I won't judge you either way. Because times, I stayed stuck too. But that's just the truth. <clears throat> Beverly Angle says it this way. When we continually blame someone, we stay stuck in the problem instead of focusing on the solution. It's also important to realize that blaming someone is different from requiring the other person to take responsibility for their actions. See, I'm never condoning ab abuse. You know, many people misunderstand. They, because I hold people accountable, they just ignore the rest. They just, their victim mindset comes up. Like cancel culture people and equity people would jump all over me because they want to hold onto their victimhood so bad. They don't see that I'm holding everyone responsible. I'm holding the perpetrator responsible, but most of all, I'm holding us. They don't want to hold themselves responsible. They just want to hold the perpetrator responsible. Well, that's abusive. Now they've become the perpetrator. They want, they're not taking responsibility for their part in it. That's abuse on both. Now it's just two people abusing each other. Now I'm going to get into the design of the brain and how society and the brain keep denial alive and the worst, worst day cycle alive. And this comes from a guy named Ian McGilchrist. He um, wrote a book, The Master and His Emissary. And what he did is he basically took all the studies and science we have on how the brain works, how the right and left hemisphere, all the neuroscience we've done, and basically did a, here's where we are with what we know about the brain so far, okay? And real quick, we have two hemispheres, left and right. And the basic way is all information comes in, wait, all information comes into our right hemisphere. Because it, process, it, it takes in everything, sends it to the left, and left is supposed to send it back. So let me give you an example. If you go to play an instrument for the first time, your right hemisphere is going to bring in all the information of all the different ways to, let's say it's a violin, hold the, I don't know, cue, it's not the right word, but, and, you know, the fingers and everything. It takes all of it. Now it sends that to the left hemisphere. The left hemisphere then weeds out and goes, well, you don't need to worry about that or this or that. It, it's very exclusive. It starts feathering things away. Now, what it's supposed to do is send it back to the right, but in many cases, it doesn't. And here's why. <clears throat> I'm going to start, I'm going to read from this because it's just easier than me trying to explain it. The right hemisphere view, its view of the world is inclusive. It sees context, options, and solutions. The left, hem the left hemisphere, its view is exclusive, analytical, and fragmentary, but crucially unaware of what it is missing. It therefore thinks it can go alone. That's why his book, The Master and the Emissary. And so he says, in terms of the metaphor of the master and his emissary, the master realizes, the right hemisphere, the need for an emissary to do certain work on his behalf and report back to him. 
That's why he appoints the emissary in the first place. The emissary, however, the left hemisphere, knowing less than the master, thinks he knows everything and considers himself the real master, thus failing to carry out his duty to report back. This is what's going on with cancel culture and everything. It's the emissary thinking they're the master. It's a sort of stuffing of the ears with sealing wax. Appears to be part of the normal left hemisphere mode. It does not want to hear what it takes to be the so-called siren songs of the right hemisphere. Calling The right hemisphere is trying to call the left hemisphere back into reality. The left hemisphere blindly pushes on, always along the same track. Evidence of failure does not mean that we are going in the wrong direction, only that we have not gone far enough in the direction we've already headed. These are the people that keep blaming the narcissist. These are the people in cancel culture, in equity culture, inclusive, all of that, safe zones, all of that. The proof is it gets worse. They get worse inside, but they're stuck in the left hemisphere. They can't get out of it because society and everything says no. No, don't feel, don't, don't go near the emotion. Don't put on the 3D glasses and see how you're in denial. Don't teach any of this. Don't teach the truth. Stay on the track you're going. Create more division and more problem. Even worse, the left hemisphere is not keen on taking responsibility. If the defect might reflect poorly on the self, it does not like to accept it. But if something or someone else can be made to take responsibility if it is a victim of someone else's wrongdoing, it is happily prepared to do so while, be, while being convinced that it's righteous. That's the Me Too movement. That's the narcissist culture constantly blaming, unwilling to take responsibility for their part. The right hemisphere, and what I'm advocating is I'm a right hemisphere guy. I'm inclusive. We all play a part in this. Hold everybody accountable and responsible for their part. Those who create segregation into groups and want other people to pay, that's left hemisphere. That's the destruction. That sets up wars. That sets up defensiveness. I have to be above you. You're below me. That's fragmentary. That's why all of those processes that are being advocated right now are the destruction of us. And that's why the society is getting more destructing towards itself. It's more victim-oriented. <clears throat> so why do we keep doing this? Because the scientists themselves are caught up in their own problem. He shows how in the book when the scientists, even in their own um, discoveries, how they ignore the science. Like it's right there. Like he, he gives examples of how some of them just completely ignore the results. Like he's saying, do you see what this is? Like it's fascinating. It's fascinating how it does. So the addiction that our society has to the left, left hemisphere, even when they know the left hemisphere is wrong. That's why I see, you know, I'm not a fan of cognitive behavioral therapy. There's some, you can learn some great skills, but they're band-aids, they're workarounds. It's less than adequate. And here's why. We now know, and we've known for a long time, everything we do starts with an emotion. Everything. We don't think first. We feel first. All thought emanates from emotion and intuition. 
Cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy tries to suppress emotion. That's the death of us. That's the cause of these problems. That's detachment. We're not in reality. That's a false self. I don't want to feel. I don't want to deal with these feelings. I'm just going to cover over it. As he goes on to say, emotion and the body are at the core, are at the irreducible core of experience. They are not there merely to help out with cognition. Feeling is not just an add-on, a flavored coating for thought. It is at the heart of our being. And reason emanates from that central core of emotions. It is an attempt in an attempt to limit and direct them rather than the other way about. Feeling came and comes first, and reason emerges from it. Because we don't have emotional mastery, we have council culture. Even the prejudice we have in favor of reason cannot itself be justified by reasoning. The virtues of reason are something we can know we can do no more than intuit. In other words, the virtues of reasoning come from a feeling. We have a feeling when we talk about the value of reason. In his influential book, Descartes' Arrow, Descartes' Error, Antonio Damasio, another you know, major player in this field, points to the primacy of emotion in neurological terms when he notes that the apparatus, basically, the apparatus of rationality, how we think, our logic, does not seem to work without that of biological regulation, our body, which is our emotion. Nature appears to have built the apparatus of rationality, not just on top of the apparatus of biological regulation, but also from it and with it. In other words, cognition, rationality, logic emanates from intuition and emotion. If you're teaching and exploring anything other than emotional mastery, your left hemisphere ignoring, going down the same path over and over and over, regardless, you're not going to improve. It's just not going to get you there. It's not. It can't. Our body, our brain, nature developed us to, to emanate everything from intuition and emotion. And that's what my whole program, The Worst Day Cycle and Conquering It, teaches you how to reconnect to your authentic self so you can do that. Bessel van der Kolk says it this way, we now know that there is another possible response to threat, which are scans yet aren't yet capable of measuring. Some people simply go into denial. Their bodies register the threat, but their conscious minds go on as if nothing has happened. This is the denial mechanism. This is us, uh, our inability to be present in our own life and admit that we're living a false persona. However, even though the mind may learn to ignore the messages from the emotional brain, the alarm signals don't stop. This is our health. The emotional brain keeps working and stress hormones keep sending signals to the muscles to tense for action or immobilize and collapse. The physical efforts on the organs go on unabated until the demand, they demand notice when they are expressed as illness. Medications, drugs, and alcohol can only temporarily dull or obliterate unbearable sensations and feelings, but the body continues to keep the score. The greatest source of suffering in our lives lies in the lies that we tell ourselves. 
and what we tell ourselves medically. Our medical community doesn't even learn about this. That's why everyone's getting sicker. I guarantee you, in the next 200 years, people are going to look back at our medical community and laugh and shake their head and go, my God, they've known how emotion drives health and everything, how the brain and body works, that when emotionally, we have an emotional reaction, that, that is the start of nearly every single illness and disease. Why aren't they treating that? Why didn't they? They knew it. And then, hopefully, we switch out of the left hemisphere. Somebody comes along in the right hemisphere and goes, hey, we need to be inclusive. Yes, we need biology, you know, medication and things like that. But we need, when you go to the doctor, you need a therapist there to go, what's going on? What was your childhood like? Let's deal with that before we give you a pill. That's where medicine's heading. They're going to look back at us and go, and I, again, I said this in another video. Somebody will find this video and go, why didn't they listen to that? It's, it's all in the literature. Now, this is why I say denial is killing us all. Our health is an emotional problem. Our world is an emotional problem. Our politics is an emotional problem. Our relationships are an emotional problem. We all need emotional mastery. We need the skills and tools to heal the pain from the past so we can love and accept our perfect imperfections and reclaim our authentic self. So what is the solution? <clears throat> Go become an expert. It's as simple as that. I'm going to give you some options that are free, and then some you can decide if you're ready to invest in yourself. You can subscribe to my free online magazine, uh, thegreatnessuniversity.com. That's www.thegreatnessuniversity.com. It's filled with book links to books that'll help you on this journey, articles, everything. It's all free. It's a great place to start gathering the information to gain the skills and tools to develop emotional mastery. You can begin by taking my free Your Journey to Emotional Mastery Masterclass. That can be found at www.thegreatnessu.com. That's free. That'll, it's, you'll learn how to start giving the pain back. You'll learn how to start connecting emotionally and gaining emo the basics to emotional mastery. Now, for those of you who are further along in the process and more open to, wow, yeah, I can see that I need to conquer this. How do I do it? Um, my suggestion there is purchase my book, Your Journey to Success. You can find it on Amazon. Um, you can join my private group. If you'd like, where I can coach you through learning about how to overcome the worst day cycle. And then I would suggest taking the full suite of my master classes. It walks you through the process of this. And for those that really want to go further, it would be, you know, working individually. Hopefully, at moments, you felt I was kind and caring towards you as I tried to share all of this. Again, I, it, at least in my life experience... Conquering the worst day cycle is at the core of us living the life we want. I hope you decide to take that journey. I hope you decide to do it with others, not alone. So if you think this video can help people, please share it. Leave me your comments. And as always, enjoy the journey.